Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 43, uh, Episode number 263 overall tonight uh, on Live with CDP Sports Talk, which is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycollin.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 and tell them CDP or AKA Chris Palme sent you there as well. And also guys, it is truck month at Barry Cullen Chevrolet. The 2023 Silverado pickup truck 1500 uh, is now 3.49% financing at for over for up to 72 months, pardon me, and eligible Costco members can now receive a $750 gift card on select uh, trucks at Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Thank you to them for sponsoring my show as well. And as always, Live with CDP Sports Talk is on weeknights at 8 o'clock on WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, Southern Talk in Sports. And uh, guys, I'm looking forward to my guest tonight. I've known her for a couple years. I met her off of uh, TikTok. Her name is Barbara Campbells. She's a, a bilingual reporter with CBS Austin and Telemundo Austin. And uh, really looking forward to speaking to Barbara tonight about her career. Good evening, Barbara. How are you? Hi, Chris. It's so great to be here. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I know, like you mentioned, we've known each other for a while, and we're finally making this happen, and it, it's great to be on your show. Well, thank you so much, and hey, um, a podcast is only as good as its guests, and I've been very lucky to have 260-plus guests uh, the last three years on my show. I've just been amazing how people have been receptive of coming on here. Yeah, I see that. You're already on season five, you mentioned. Um, I know that, yeah, it's it's been a long time. You've come a long way, and it's great to see your success. It's great to see your podcast grow more, and, and thank you so much for having me here. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, it's nice to kind of get connected on here as well. And, um, yeah, being in media, I, I realize how much there is a demand uh, when you're in the TV side and also the radio side as well. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, being in media basically means being in a fast-paced environment, and you always you always have to be ready for that for those changes. You all, always have to be ready to adapt, and and you really have to be able to take whatever comes to you. I know that you you've been doing some media stuff yourself, so so you can probably relate to that. It's a lot of it, it's a lot of pressure, but of course there comes the rewards with that. <laughs> Absolutely. And to me, it's not working. I just joined TikTok a couple years ago and, and uh, I thought it was too old for it, but it's been a great experience. And uh, I've made new connections on there, new friends, and it's a great way to promote my show and my guests on there as well. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'd be surprised. I mean, people of all ages, all walks of life, they they become hits on TikTok. And um, yeah, I I really love TikTok. I kind of laid off of it a little bit recently just because of uh, it was getting hard to like balance everything. But um, I I definitely love the platform. Um, it's fun. It's fun, especially, you know, making those lives. Um, I just, I try, nowadays I try to really not fall under that rabbit hole because I could keep scrolling for forever watching those TikToks. <laughs> That's true. There's some nights I'm up to two, three in the morning, uh, working on my show. And then I look at the time, I'm like, I got to get to bed. And then it takes me an hour to unwind when I get off the computer and smartphone. So I just have to be more aware of time at nighttime because I'm all oh, constantly doing work on here uh, for my podcast or digital writing stuff or content creating. Oh, I, I get you on that same here. You know, um, I think that with being a reporter, um, there's a lot of days where you're not necessarily not working you know you always have to be thinking of what's next what's next what's what's going to be my next story or or let me keep up with this person let me follow up with this person and so I can definitely relate to that well I want to one thing I wanted to ask you is uh you've been with CBS Austin now and Telemundo Austin is that are they still the same stations Yes. So we are a duopoly station. And so okay. what that means is that it just has, you know, the the two stations in one. Um, but yes, yes, we are essentially the same station, the same building, um, the same management, um, but we're just divided into two different teams. And obviously the newscasts are much different. One's in English, one's in Spanish. But yes, we are the same company um, and we all work together. What's the experience been like being at that station in Austin for, I think, what, over a year now? Yeah, it's been over a year. And honestly, I've I've really enjoyed it. I think that what makes it even better is the location. As you may know, as people have heard, you know, Austin is thriving right now. Um, it's the hot spot. It's a popular place. And so everybody wants to be in Austin. And so it's really interesting because I'm a Texas native and growing up, um, well, I grew up three hours south of Austin. And so I didn't really see Austin that way until I came over here and um, I realized, wow, it's booming out here and people love it here. I love it here. I've really enjoyed my experience living here. I think that I I like the environment. I like how welcoming the people are. And it's just nice to see people from all around come, come to Austin. And so that's really made the experience be good, especially with my job, um, because it's so much easy, easier to connect with people, form those relationships. And um, as far as the job goes, um, there's a lot of you know, just like any other city, there's a lot of crime, there's a lot of the good stuff, the the bad, there's a lot of a little bit of everything. But I feel like in terms of demographics, and in terms of the geography, I feel like we're a good, a good size city where it's not too hard to get from one spot to the other. And so that definitely makes the job much easier when it comes to like breaking news or or all that, but I've, I've enjoyed it. I really have. And I, I got to say the city has a lot to do with me enjoying my experience. Population wise, how big is Austin and, and how far is it I, again from uh, I guess it's closer to Dallas than it would be to Houston. 
Um, actually, it's closer to Houston than it would be to Dallas. So okay. Texas is huge. Um, it's two and a half hours from Houston. Um, Austin is literally the midpoint, and so it's like an hour and a half, an hour to San Antonio, two and a half hours from Houston, three and a half to Dallas, and um, El Paso is just basically considered another state honestly it's so far but um to answer your question i actually don't know the population i'm literally looking it up right now <laughs> okay um, i need to brush like, okay oh i'm sorry it's a it's a no. little under a million people okay that's 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 big enough i know yeah. our big city here in canada is toronto and it's uh four million people and growing all the time so under a million is big enough yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Always... Um, I do need to brush up on my geography. I have been to the states. I've been to thirteen states, but I've never been to Texas. So I do need to uh, eventually pay Texas a visit as well. Yeah, that surprises me. Just because I feel like Texas is one of those musts. You know, it's 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 one of those places you gotta visit. I I love Texas. I mean, Texas is my home, but um, I know that you know we're one of the biggest we're the biggest and so everything is bigger here in texas i would agree with that statement and um it's it's nice living here you should definitely come and be prepared for that hot weather though whenever you do come visit because it is humid. very it gets warm humid. down here yes humid, yeah. our summers yes. here in ontario are hot and humid and then we have the fall and the winter and stuff like that to break it up but is it constantly hot and humid the whole year in texas or do you guys have your like coolers cooler seasons as well so we don't necessarily have like seasons i think that it just depends what region since texas is so big you can't even speak for like texas as a whole you know so i think that some areas do see the actual four seasons a little better than than of course south texas you're gonna get hot all year long but uh that's like I'm used to like literally 100 degrees is a, the norm for me. But uh, yeah, if you go up to East Texas, Dallas, you'll definitely see a, a much better balance. I think Austin has a good balance, but we're not there yet as far as like the four seasons. So yes, we do have fresher days right now. You know, the mornings start off fresh as in like 58 degrees, but that's fresh for us. Um I don't, I don't know. Some people would say, you know, our fresh is still hot. Uh, some people from up north would probably, probably say that. Yeah, because this week we're getting temperatures in the uh, 80s here in Ontario, which is more for May and June. So we're getting early summer temperatures already. Wow. And see, we would argue that that's perfect. You know, we would say, oh, that's kind of fresh. <laughs> we would probably say that. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm such a Southern girl, though. Um, Whenever I, I get cold so easily and whenever I'm up in different places up north, I, I can't I, I can't survive. <laughs> yeah, I guess because I was born in here, I'm used to the four seasons. So I kind of like the four seasons. You get a little bit of winter, you get your spring, you get your fall. And then we get a couple of months, two and a half, three months of hot summer weather as well. So we, you get a little bit of taste, a little bit of what's the word I'm looking for? Verity, I guess. Variety. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'll never... <laughs> We'll never know what that feels like. <laughs> Definitely. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, uh, being a bilingual reporter, have you always been able to speak two languages? 
That is a great question. So yes, um, I have, I have, and and this is something that I always speak about. And so it's, I was, um, you know, my my first language was actually Spanish. But it's interesting because getting this job as a full time Spanish news reporter, uh, I was really nervous in the start because I I didn't realize up to what extent of Spanish I really knew. You know, I'm I'm so used to it. I speak Spanish every day with my mom, with my grandmother, with my aunts, etc. But I really did not realize that I didn't know it to to this level. And so you think you know Spanish, but you don't really. <laughs> and um I I would say that this job has really come with its challenges because of that. I think that there was a learning curve in a sense for me um, because I had to, you know, I, I went to school in English. I, I graduated. I went to a university, a, an English university. And so I never actually got educated in Spanish. And so at this point, you know, I'm, I'm over a year into this job. And at this point, I feel like I feel like I've made so much progress. And that's one thing that I'm really thankful for about this job is that I've been able to to really develop this language. And honestly, I love speaking Spanish. I think that it's really helped me in so many ways. It's helped me connect with so many more people and so many different communities as well. And um, it did come with its challenges. It took me a while to really feel like I've mastered it. Um, there was a learning curve for me when I started. And you know, even people back home, they'd be like, oh, you have a little accent, you know, because people could tell that I wasn't always speaking Spanish so much. But at this point now I speak it much more, you know, I sound much more natural. Like if, you know, Spanish is now I really sound like Spanish was my first language versus me a year ago. Did you uh, have somebody help you with the Spanish or did you learn it all on your own? Um, so growing up, um, I just learned what my mom taught me, my my grandparents taught me, you know, Spanish at home, the basic things, nothing too developed. My vocabulary wasn't exactly, you know, all that. But, you know, coming here, that's when I think that I really owe it to my boss who who would check my scripts coming here and and being a reporter, you kind of you're you're programmed to explain something in the simplest of terms. But in my case, I was exp explaining something in the simplest of terms because I didn't know more. You know, I didn't have other ways to explain it because, like I said, my vocabulary wasn't wasn't as expanded. But um, I like I, like I was saying, I really owe it to my boss who would check my scripts and he would change a lot of words, change a lot of synonyms. And that's really how I learned a lot. And so in, in a way, yes, I taught myself, but because of the practice, but I really... I really do appreciate that my boss would help me out in that sense of changing things. And it's funny because I shouldn't even look at it this way, but I do. But I feel like going to work for the past year has been a nonstop Spanish class. And so that's really how I've seen it. You know, I just 
practice every day. I practice my writing. I practice, you know, verbalizing my Spanish. Um, every single day, I actually read my script out loud before, um, before I actually go on air, I have to read it out loud to somebody. And that's something that, you know, being an English anchor, English reporter, I would never have to do that because English is my, my strength. But with being a reporter in Spanish, that's, that's just something that I have to do now. And that's totally fine because I want to make sure that I'm saying everything correctly. With Spanish, there comes a lot of uh, a lot of punctuations, a lot of accent marks. And so you just want to make sure you sound like that's your language. How much is Texas a bilingual state? Is it like a high percentage? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my hometown, which is, I mean, my hometown is a border town. Um, and uh, it's literally right next to Mexico. And I want to say more than 90% of the population, you know, speaks Spanish. Um, and it's it's interesting, because we are actually the we're stuck in this population where we speak a lot of Spanglish. And so that's just because I mean, honestly, I can't blame people for speaking Spanglish, you know, like you're just so used to people. It's so normal for people at the store to attend you speaking Spanish from where I'm at, from my hometown. Like you'll go to McDonald's Burger King and um, you'll be like, hi, can I have a, a cheeseburger? And they'll answer you in Spanish. That's like the normal, you know, even if we're in the United States. And so uh, you get that a lot down there. And so, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of a lot of people who speak Spanish. Um, and I would say that even here in Austin, um, there's a huge Hispanic community as well. Um, a lot of, a lot of parts of town are Hispanic, you know, a lot of Hispanic strong, like many, many Hispanic people. And, um, uh, yeah, every little, every big city has its, it's com Hispanic communities from what I've seen. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, you do have your rural areas that don't. But um, for the most part, Texas is a very Hispanic based state. I was going to say in media in, in Canada, the states, Canada is obviously English and French. But I think and especially in the media industry, if you can do bilingual and speak a second or third or fourth language, that makes you even more valuable in the industry as well. Yeah, I think so too, honestly. And, you know, like I, it's great because now, you know, whenever I think of what's going to be my next opportunity, where I'm going to go next, I no longer just have to limit myself to, hey, well, I can only speak, you know, I can only focus on an English station. And now that gives you so many, that gives me at least the opportunity to say, okay, well, um, maybe I can land a different, maybe this is my dream city. Say Houston is my dream city. And uh, maybe I, I, it would be easier to, to land a job in Houston as a Spanish reporter, simply because Spanish isn't, you know, the, the, the number one language in the United States. And so the standard is still high because Houston is a very big city, very high market, but it's not, essentially it's not, <laughs> as high you know versus english if that makes sense absolutely now i'm just gonna start asking you some questions barbara can, obviously i'm based out of canada uh near toronto can you just tell my audience here uh, just a little bit about yourself and 
where did you attend school and uh, did you have any mentor or mentors when you were first starting up in the media industry? Yeah, so I had a very different background from the traditional route that I know that many other reporters, anchors go into. So um, I went to di three different schools. So um, I graduated from my hometown from community college and I immediately uh, I moved to Los Angeles at the time just because I originally I was pursuing film and um, I moved there, you know, to work. And simultaneously, I was pursuing a degree in political science. So, you know, nothing having to do with journalism at the time. And I was going to Arizona State University online. And so um, for whatever reason, I decided I did want a traditional college experience. And so I decided to to move from Los Angeles to Houston to an actual university. And so then I moved to back to Texas to the University of Houston. And I went there for a whole year. And after that, I at the time, I was still not having anything to do with journalism. I was actually majoring in, in public relations. But that's really when I started exploring the possibilities of, uh, of getting into journalism. And at the time, I was a little confused of what I wanted to do. It was junior year, junior year already of of the uni university, and I was just figuring out what I wanted to do. And so, um, um, for what life took me in a different direction, and I had to move closer to my original hometown, which was San Antonio. So then I went my senior year to San Antonio. Now, at this point, I was attending the University of Texas at San Antonio. And at this point, I knew that I wanted to be in media because, you know, coming back from LA and, and kind of just leaving that aspect behind, I decided, well, I, how can I chase media? You know, how can I, how can I still be a part of it? So I kind of, I, I decided to major, they, my new school in San Antonio didn't have a journalism program. They just had a communications program. And so I, I was really curious about news stations. And since I kind of like connected that to being in the media. And so I landed my first internship and, um, and I, it was at a, a news station there in uh, San Antonio, Texas. And um, I learned so much. And so I did have a mentor. Um, his name was Carlos. He's a photographer there. He's still a great friend of mine. And um, he taught me the ropes. He just taught me. I was that intern that was eager to learn. And, and next thing you knew, the pandemic hit. And I was still a, a, a senior in high school while I was doing that internship. And at that point, I, I had already made a demo clip, a demo reel, and next thing I knew, I applied to a job in my hometown, and I was a, I got hired as a morning anchor. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about my story. Um, and you know, along the way, I have had other mentors. I've had other, you know, great people that I've met along the way. But I, that's one of the people that I, that I, I always. I always talk about just because he he really made my internship experience a very good one. Okay, well, I was gonna say uh, I I should have wrote this down, but um, I now I remember how important is internships and volunteering in the media industry, and uh, how how much of an adjustment was it going from LA to Houston? 
Yeah, so I would say internships are important. I feel like internships are really the place where you get your your feet dipped in the water. And that's really where you get to see the real life work and the real life environment. And you get to see, is this what I want? You know, you get a good idea. And so I definitely encourage internships. I actually, I love working with interns, even, even uh, some of the interns we've had at my current station. I've absolutely enjoyed teaching them and I've, I've really made good relationships with them. And so I think that I think it's very important. And even being a volunteer, you know, giving your time, I think that all that is worth it in the long run. You know, you do have to sacrifice um, just a little bit of your time just to get to where you want. I'm a big believer in that. And as far as LA and Houston, I would say that it was so different. It really was. Uh, I had never lived in Houston, you know, I lived in Texas, but I lived in a smaller, much smaller city filled with Hispanic people. And so I think that making that, making that move to LA uh, from like a small town, it was, it wasn't necessarily a culture shock for me only because I had been to LA a couple times and I was very tunnel vision. I was very focused on what I wanted at the time. Um, and I didn't really think Houston was much different in my opinion. I mean, of course, LA is, is a whole different world and Texas is too. But um, as far as like big city diversity and all of that, um, I, I, you know, I, I saw the similarities because both cities are very well known. You know, they're some of the biggest cities in the United States, actually. And, um, and I think that for me personally, I did feel some type of way though when I when I left the you know film and chasing my dreams versus going to Houston and going to school. I did feel this. I don't want to say sadness, but I did feel like I had this void because I, I I had left every passion that I had to be in the media, and I had left it to like go to school. And so I was kind of confused at the time, like, wait, did I make the right decision? What did I do? Um, I was in the right place. Am I not anymore? And so I had some doubts along the way. But looking at it now, I, I'm happy I, I went this route, you know, I'm, I'm happy I made this career. If, it, if I wouldn't have ever moved to Houston, I don't think I'd be here now. So, so it was a good change. Well, for me, um, I was volunteering with a local semi-pro basketball team a couple years ago, and they needed a camera guy. And I said, listen, I'll help out, but I have no interest in camera work or broadcasting or whatever. And they showed me what to do. They liked my work. They paid. They actually paid me. And then they said, do you want to go to Rogers TV, which is a huge cable company in Toronto? It's like major here. And they got my foot in the door with them. And uh, I did camera work for them and I have been for the last four years before the pandemic. And that led to my podcast. I guess and my story is different from everyone else's. I was just at the right place at the right time. And I got a taste of uh, doing camera work, which led to my podcast show, which has led to me doing a, a radio show and doing some other media work. That's so good. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. That's see, that's a perfect example of how sometimes, you know, your, your time goes a long way. And so yeah, it's always important to to kind of just say why not, you know? I always say why not, and I kind of just take a chance, and I do things just to sometimes I just do them, and I don't really think much about it. And like they say, you never know who, who you're meeting. You never know what comes out of something, and that's a good, that's a good outlook to have. 
Oh, I, absolutely. And uh, I had people in my other profession, you can't work with younger people. You can only work with people your age. I've been working with people now in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and it's been a great experience. And everybody in your industry, Barbara, um, including guys from the sports world, has been really good. And they told me not to worry about my age and just to keep doing what I'm doing. And it's just been nice to be able to work with people from different uh, areas and, and, and college kids as well. And they asked me for advice and then I picked their brains as well. No, that's great. And I think that, you know, it never hurts to have even me, I'm 25 years old and I still have friends that are, I have, you know, like I mentioned, those interns that I made good relationships with. Um, it's refreshing, 100%, no matter how young, how old you are, it's refreshing to have, you know, those younger relationships and you can always learn. They can learn something from you as well as you something from them. And so nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. This uh, leads to my next question I wanted to ask you. What was your first role job media and were you a little bit nervous at the time yeah so um I, I don't know if you would consider um my personal projects my first jobs in media um just because like I mentioned I, I love doing film growing up but um uh yeah those were some of like my first they were just independent things um but um other than that my first one was you know, my official one was uh, the one in Laredo being a morning news anchor. And I was a morning news anchor. And then in the afternoon, I was a I would do a reporter shift. Um, it was like a half and half. So, you know, mornings anchoring and then the rest of the day I would turn in a story. And um, um, honestly, it had I had my hurdles. I, I jumped through those hurdles. Um, I was I'm not going to say it was easy, um, uh, you know. I, I came in during a very difficult time. I came in right in the middle of the pandemic, or actually not even the middle, the beginning of the pandemic. So as you can remember, it was such a terrifying moment for the world. And there was so much uncertainty out there. And I was, I was literally starting this job. It was June 2020 when there was all these restrictions in place. People were still wearing face masks all the time. And um, it was just it was just scary out there and you didn't really know if you could even be in the same room as someone people were social distancing and um uh with that being said i came in during this time that um the same actually two weeks after i went in and you know just think about it i it was my first big girl job and i was i was straight out of college and i was excited you know my first corporate my first on camera job and especially in my hometown how exciting you know and two weeks in my whole building gets covid including myself and um it was this whole outbreak in the building and i was sent home to work from home and i was like wait a second like am I going to get trained? Like I, I hadn't even gotten trained yet because of this outbreak. And I think that there was just so much uncertainty and that kind of set the tone for the rest of my career, at least there in, in that station. And so it did take some time to, to bounce back from, from all that, because um, for a couple months, a, a lot of we actually lost some people there at work. Um, I think we lost two people that, that passed away and, and um, other people lost their family members. And it was this whole toll, this whole, you know, not even phys just physically, but emotionally. And it was this whole situation. And so it took a long time to, to get through that. And so 
there was a lot of hurdles that I had to go through. And I, I mean, it sounds a little straightforward, but I kind of had to show myself a lot. And, and the thing was that I didn't actually major in journalism. I majored in communications. So yes, I had that internship, but I didn't have, you know, in my mind, I didn't have the key principles of what is journalism because that's the point of your first job. They're supposed to show you the ropes because in, in your first market, they're supposed to train you. And um, of course, I understand the situation. It was a pandemic. It was something that, you know, we met, we hadn't seen in decades. 100, 100 years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's nobody's fault, you know. But uh, yeah, it was it was challenging at first. But uh, I got through it. <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> well, and I started, I, I got laid off doing camera work in March of 2020. And then I uh, one positive out of the pandemic for me was starting this podcast show. And basically those two years where everything was shut down here in Canada, I just used it to do my podcast show. And thankfully everybody complains about technology, but technology really got a lot of people, not just myself through the pandemic as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that, isn't it crazy to think that now it really the pandemic really set the tone for like the future as far as like technology work from home and all that i mean it really just it, it set a standard that now nobody can go back to i mean don't get me wrong there has you know people have gone back to the office or they've tried to go you know go back to doing things like yeah. before but it's totally set this whole new way of living and uh i personally now when i do my sporting events in camera work, I appreciate it more than before because when something's taken away from you and then it comes back, you learn. I that's how I look at it as I appreciate things now more often. And, and I'm now doing live interviews with people, and uh, I love it as much as I love doing the virtual podcast. Uh, there's nothing better than interviewing someone on the spot because you have to think on your feet as a reporter or just like myself as a freelance media member. Oh, for sure. For sure. As much as you love technology, like you need that balance as well. You need to go out on the field and meet people and you still need that human interaction in person. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I agree with that 100%. One thing I wanted to ask you about it before the pandemic and after the pandemic, uh, how important is it to, as a reporter to have a strong support system at home? Because your job can be very emotional at times with some of these stories that you guys cover. Yeah, I think it's it's very important. It's 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 vital. It's critical. I think that oh, I don't know what I would do without my support system. I have these days where you know I'm just I'm affected just like anybody else. I think that the hardest time that I can remember would be, as you may have heard, you know that mass shooting um, um, in Uvalde was, which is not too far from from where I grew up, from where I'm at right now. And um, I think that that is really something that, I mean, it was, I know it was devastating for our country, devastating in general, but um, at the time, I just remember just feeling so gloomy and um, just for days straight, you know, on and on. It was this whole, this whole thing. And um, I mean, that's just one specific example that I can remember, but I really don't know what I would do without my support system because 
deadline. Deadline is so, it can get the best of you sometimes. And I know I've had these breakdowns and I immediately, either I call my boyfriend, my mom, like I need a, I need someone to calm me down, you know, because I'm going to do something crazy. And, <laughs> um, I just, I, I, it's important. It really is. I just can't stress that enough. You sometimes you can't do it all yourself. You cannot. And whether it's literally just somebody saying, Hey, it's going to be okay. Something as simple as that. It's like, you're right. It is going to be okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's important. And uh, one other thing too, I've learned about this industry is it's important to give yourself a little bit of break from time to time because you can get burned out in this industry. Oh gosh. Yes. So that's something that I know we don't talk about much and I wish we would, but yeah, we need to talk about this more about how burnt out people can really feel. There's just something about being, you know, I don't know if it's the, it's probably, you know, the deadline or, or it's all the stress factors that come, that come with it because it's like, okay, you're not just you know, interviewing someone, you know, you wake up and you're, you're pitching your story. You're, you're reaching out to people. You're ma- doing your interviews. You're writing your interview. I mean, you're writing your, your stories. You're, you're recording them. You're, you're doing like 10 things at once. And um, there's only so much that, you know, you can handle as a human being and your brain is just dealing with so much. And then you have to be doing that at a deadline and not only the deadline, you have to look pretty as well. And so there's just so many pressures and expectations in general, like, you know, cause you're representing the station. So you can't even look bad. Cause if you do, you're doing it in front of thousands of people. And that's, you know, obviously that's a lot of stress and, and pressure. And so, yeah, with, with this job, there's, there's a lot of, considerations that you have to take it's it's not you know that's that's one reason why there there is a high sometimes there's a low retention rate with these jobs and you know that's just the truth a lot of people they're in and out in and out they don't want to deal with it and the thing is we are also reaching this new generation we're reaching this new time where people value themselves more now and so people aren't going to put up with all that, you know, um, sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't have to put up with all this. My mental health is struggling. I'm out. And so that's a very, very common ideology nowadays. Now, how is the station with that? If, if you feel like you need a little bit of a break or a timeout, are they really accommodating about that? Yeah, so <laughs> actually just this weekend, um, just this last Friday, I actually reached out to my boss and I told him, hey, you know, I, I know that I've been having a couple, I had a couple days off before this because I, I, I got sick, unfortunately. And I told him, hey, I know that I, I've been off a couple days, but I think I need to take today to kind of just recharge and focus on my mental wellness. And he's like, go ahead. And so I'm thankful that, you know, I'm glad that I got that support um, because I wasn't really sure what I was going to get back. I wasn't really sure if I was going to get, you know, supportive response or not. But yeah, I've been I got a good response and I was really happy about that because uh, I think that's how it should be. You know, if if you need a break, I'm the type of person that doesn't always ask for for breaks like these. And so if I'm asking, it's for for a reason. Absolutely. And uh, are you okay for a few more questions, Barbara? 
You still yeah, good? that that's fine with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm good. Okay, no problem. I always like to check with my guests because uh, I usually my shows go about 60 minutes, but I try to accommodate my guests. So if they can only come on for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever time they can give me. So I just always make sure I double check with my guests uh, during a show. Yeah, thank you for that. No problem. Again, how did you end up coming about your current role as a reporter with CBS Austin and Telemundo Austin? And what is a daily day like being a reporter for those stations? Yeah, so I had been in Laredo for, I was only, I was actually only in Laredo for a, a year and a half. And my chapter just came to an end in Laredo. And I decided, um, you know, I was, I was job searching. My, my chapter had come to an end and I was kind of at a standstill at the time, just taking a break. Um, and I, I was job searching and I never expected to land a job in Austin. Honestly, I, I was kind of just, I was taking my time applying at the time. Um, I, I was just looking around how they say shopping around. Um, I was just, you know, throwing a couple, a couple job applications here and there. Um, and I was very surprised to see that I, immediately got a call back after applying to to Telemundo Austin um because in Laredo I had only the reason why I was doing Spanish in Laredo was because I fought for that opportunity honestly because I was hired to be a English anchor English reporter but I always wanted to do Spanish as much as as much as you know, I it wasn't my strength because I had lost a lot of the language just growing up and, and using English constantly. I always wanted to do Spanish and my news director um, in Laredo, he gave me the opportunity, but not it wasn't he didn't actually give me like a position as a Spanish anchor or anything like that. It was more of like, oh, well, you know, you can do little segments here and there. So I had to do everything on my own time type of thing. Like I had to. I had to do it all like with my own, you know, efforts and I had to sacrifice my time and it wasn't necessarily a sacrifice. But what I'm trying to say is that I really had to put in the work to do Spanish because I wasn't going to be excused from doing my full time job just to do Spanish is what I'm trying to say. And so um, I had to do that and I kind of had to like work more. I had to do overtime and, and work more just to be able to to get that exposure and or, or that experience but I'm I'm glad I did because that those little times that I was able to do Spanish I did like what four stories total in Spanish at my Laredo station but that was good enough to get me a job at Austin you know I literally just submitted might put up a, a reel together with like those four stories that I had done and they hired me. So I was really happy because I never expected to get a job in Spanish. I kind of just took my chance and, and I was extremely surprised with how quick that process was. They called me right away. I interviewed right away. I got hired right away. They literally wanted me to move there right away. And I was like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> I need a little more time. But um, I was really happy that everything just worked out so quick because I was job searching for like four months. And um, and um, what was your second question? <laughs> uh, what is a daily day like 
as a reporter. And one thing I wanted to ask you too, um, you're obviously in media, you do get a lot of successes, but uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, the rejections because I've had some successes so far, but I've also had some rejections and I just want to get your thoughts on that as well. Absolutely. And what do you mean by rejections exactly? Um, like turned down, like you, I've like, I obviously I've applied to some radio jobs and, and media jobs and they've turned me down because I haven't had enough experience yet. So, but uh, I just try not to let it get me down or stop me. Yeah. So one thing is that you just always need to be, to, to be ready for, for that, those turn downs. Unfortunately, I hate, I hate, that that's even a thing, you know, but that's also a thing in every, everywhere else though. If you think about it, you're trying to get a job at Google at, um, I don't know, TikTok. I mean, there's a lot of competition. So same with this. And so I think that, I mean, of course I've gotten turned down just like every, every many people have. And, uh, I, I just, I strongly feel like eventually it's going to happen and it's always going to happen when you least expect it. I'm the type of person who I hate getting my hopes up because if I get my hopes up and I start visualizing my life with this new position or et cetera, like I just, I get disappointed so quickly when it doesn't happen. And I, my method that works great for me is go with the flow. If it happens, cool. If it doesn't, that's fine too. That's really how I live. And that was literally what happened with, with Telemundo Austin. I applied and I remember now it's coming back to me. It's just been a while. Um, I remember I applied at this point where I was already feeling a little, I don't know if discouraged, but I was kind of just feeling lousy, like, okay, whatever. I'll just submit this application. You know, I was getting at that point. Um, and I, I guess a lot of job seekers can relate on that one when you're just kind of like, well, I've been looking for a while. Nothing has happened. Let me just submit this just to submit this. And so I reached that point And next thing you knew, they called me. And so that's why I always live by the the never getting excited about something like just I, I, I always feel like it comes it comes when you don't, don't expect it as much. But um, uh, a, a regular day to day. Um, would really be pitching your story. So first you have to think of your story. If there's nothing happening, you know, if there's no breaking news, no homicide, no event happening at the Capitol, because I'm here at the Texas Capitol, or, or if there's nothing nothing crazy going on or, or no events, um, I have to think of my story, pitch my story, and at the same time, I have to be ready to reach out to whoever I'm going to interview for my story, which would be the source. Um, it could be anything, you know, if my story is about mental health, I'll have to reach out to, to possibly, you know, a, a counselor or um, possibly somebody affected by, by their, that has had problems with their mental health. And I think the key is always thinking of creative ways to run the story. It's not just like, oh, you're just working on a story. You have to think of different ways to say it. And so you have to be um, a good storyteller that can create compelling, something compelling. And so, you know, you reach out to them and you ask them for their time, for their interview. You hope that they can interview because that's key as a reporter. You need to have a source. If you don't have someone to talk, 
there's no point of doing the story. You know, you need to have a speaker. And really, the rule of thumb is having two speakers for your packages, um, which would be package news report. And so, um, uh, you know, I reach out to them. Um, hope, hopefully, they can interview within an hour. Hopefully, many times they're they're able to. Um, and so I interview them. I have to quickly write my story. So there I am, you know, rushing, rushing just to write that story. And then uh, right after I'm, I'm, I send it out for a script check. They check it, make sure they, as in my producer, checks it, make sure it's okay. And after that, I, I just track it, and I, I track it, which is me recording myself, and then I have to edit it. So there, I, I basically have to do everything. I'm a one woman show. You got to do everything, and I edit it, and then I come out on camera to present it. And so, I. It's a lot of steps and this takes hours. And sometimes I'm working on a deadline as short as three hours and it's a lot of stress. And it was a lot of more stress in the beginning because I think in English. So just imagine doing all that in like a three hour deadline, having to think in English and then translating in Spanish. And it was just, it was, it was tough in the beginning. <laughs> Speaking of, um, uh, of, of your segment, when you get to talk to a producer, generally, how long is your segment on air? Is it like between a minute and a half, two minutes, or or is it less than that? So in English, it would be a minute and a half, but in Spanish, it's much longer. For some reason, in Spanish, it takes longer to explain things. Um, it, so it's like two and a half, two at least. And so more pressure honestly because you have to edit more and those seconds make a difference honestly one thing i need to work on is learning how to do video video, video editing and and how important it is in the industry not just in tv but in radio as well i get you yeah yeah editing is very important <laughs> Did you pick it up right away or did it take you a little bit of time to, to feel comfortable doing editing, the editing pro process of it? I honestly, I do feel like I picked it up pretty quick. Um, well, within a couple weeks. Uh, at this point, I'm really quick, but um, that's just because I do it literally every day. But uh, yeah, I feel like I did pretty well. Um, it's, I don't know, editing just comes pretty easy to me. I don't, I don't love doing it, but it, it comes easy. <laughs> definitely okay um couple quick more questions for you if you're if you're okay for time this one i wanted to ask you barbara and i rewarded it uh what are some of your most memorable stories you've covered so far in your career and some of your most memorable so i would say anything immigration related those are some of the stories that I've really, really um, connected with and that I'm most proud of because I feel like every time that I am covering a story about this topic, it has a sense of hope. It's a sense of home to me because, you know, I grew up in a border town. And for me, the whole topic of immigration and the whole topic of refugees and all that is just something that I've seen growing up. And so I'm definitely, I think 
I think one of the stories that I that I is the most memorable to me would be one that I worked on at my past station in my hometown. And that was like my first story that I was the most proud of. And it was actually the first story that I ever did in Spanish as well. I tracked it both in English and Spanish. And it was about the psychological effects of these immigrant children. And so um, as ma many people may know, immigrants that come from South America, they, they come after like a trek of 30 days or, or more, sometimes, you know, much longer than 30 days, 40 days, and, and they go through a lot through that journey. Some come from South South America, different countries, you know, whether it be El Salvador, um, Venezuela, just different places, but um, they all have their different stories to tell. And so this particular story was about um, highlighting the importance of kids and their mental health and the psychological effects that come with this long journey. And so that was one of the pieces that I was the most proud of. I remember that I, I showed it off. I definitely did. And, and it was a big accomplishment because it was my first Spanish story as well. And I, I just will never forget that story because that really set the tone for the rest of my career. And that's when I realized, wow, I love telling these types of stories because it's who I am. It's where I come from. And even now when I'm in Austin and I'm reporting about, you know, border policies, immigration, I I love it. I love it. I really do because I feel like I, I love the topic in general and I... I just like to tell people about it. And, and um, sometimes I even get to connect with people from my hometown and use them as my sources for interviews. And so that works out great sometimes. And so, yeah, those are my most memorable interviews, the, those that I can speak about, about border policies. And on my show, but I can tell how how much of a professional you are, and how much passion you have in in the storytelling aspect. And I, in a way, I'm lucky because I get to do storytelling on this podcast, and also with the camera work as well. And people don't realize you need everyone to do their job in a broadcast, not just the anchors and the news people on the, on the air, but you need the, the audio people, the graphics people, the camera operators, the producers. It's really a team effort uh, in media, especially on the TV side. Absolutely. Absolutely, Chris. It is a big effort. And um, yeah, sometimes people don't realize the big effort it is to put that newscast together or that story. It takes a lot. It really does to collect all those elements. Absolutely. And we're just going to wrap this up with a, a couple quick questions. And then I want to ask you, Barbara, is what do you enjoy the most about being a reporter? And, and what are some of the hardest aspects of the profession, uh, especially for someone that's trying to break into the industry uh, right now in, in the States or in Canada? I would say that what I enjoy the most is what you just mentioned. I love storytelling. I love sharing people's stories. I love creating those relationships. I think that it's really great when I have people reaching out to me and, and hoping that I'm able to share their stories. And then when I do, you know, they just feel this type of type of gratefulness. And I just, I like to see that happiness in people. I really do because I, I just love to share people's stories, you know, whether it be, you know, a good one or a bad one. I just, I love connecting with the community in that way. And so 
that's really something that I enjoy. And that's very rewarding to me to be able to make those long-term relationships through a story, through storytelling. And I love storytelling. And as far as what's the hardest thing for someone breaking in, I would say that they have to, they have to really hustle. And that's, that's one thing about the job. You have to be ready to hustle and you can't just expect for things to be done for you or, or, you know, you have to chase those stories sometimes and you have to be ready for that, especially it all comes with dedication, not just sitting around. And maybe that, that applies to other jobs and other things too, but especially with reporting, it's one of those, it's one of those things that it's not as glamorous as it looks. Um, it may seem like, oh, you're on TV. Wow, that's amazing. But it does come with hard work and sweat. And, um, you know, some of the great journalists, many great journalists, they've, they've gotten to where they're at, but through sweat and blood and, and, and pain, you know, and it's not always ugly, but it's not always, I'm just trying to put the example of having to work hard. Absolutely. And I see that doing camera work. And I've heard some people tell me, oh, podcasting is easy. Anyone can do it. Not anyone can do it. It's a lot of work. You have to produce your show. You have to book guests. You have to be flexible with your guests. And also you have to promote your show and and sell yourself to guests and uh, build yourself up. So people want to come on here. Being a podcaster, it is a lot of work, but it's something I really enjoy and have a passion for. Oh, I get you. I definitely do. And you're right. I can relate to that in so many ways. And I can see how it's hard work. I really can. And and I have to commend you for that, Chris, because even though, I mean, you're always able to find your guest and you're always able to look for someone and, and find a new, a new segment and a new topic. So you're doing great. You really Thank are. You. Thank you. And I'm trying to branch out from sports. I love sports, but I'm trying to do more shows uh, like this with people that are in the news industry or actors, actresses, and and just try to show everybody that I can do more than just sports talk, which I do love, but tr it's called what? Branching out. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I, I, I feel like that that's not bad. That Why not? You know, then that, that will definitely attract more more people, more viewers. And um, yeah, I, I, I wish you the best with this podcast. It's been, it's been great to come on here and well, share my you. story. Well, that's what I love about it is I, I get to hear my guests uh, stories and then share some of my experiences and, and uh, look at this, you're in Texas and I'm in Ontario and, and the, this technology really does make the world smaller. Yeah, definitely. And I see one of those one of the questions here is for people who have never visited the state of Texas, why what would you say Texas. about the state and what are some of your favorite attractions? <laughs> um I think you guys need to come up to Austin <laughs> for someone that's never been to Texas. I would say try visiting either San Antonio, Austin or Houston. I think those are the big the big attractions. Um, I love I love being in the capital here in Austin. And so I would definitely recommend you coming out here. People are so nice in Texas. And um, okay. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say uh, favorite food in Texas. And do you have favorite uh, musician, like a band or whatever? I try I try to do fun questions at the end of my uh, show with my guests. 
Oh, okay. Um, favorite food? Uh, honestly, I would say tacos, honestly, here in Texas. Yeah, you'll, you'll find some of the best tacos. Don't go to the rural areas. You'll find them. You'll find good spots. You just have to look. But um, uh, no Tex-Mex, please. Tex-Mex is like a combination of like Texan and Mexican food. You have to go to like an authentic Mexican and you'll find the best Mexican food. And yeah, recommend. But um, other than that, uh, I don't necessarily have any favorite bands out here, um, but, but uh, no, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> okay. Cause when I, when I create my uh, digital stories on Instagram, I try to uh, uh, put music toward, toward, towards my guests or what I'm put, posting on there as well. It's something I enjoy doing is content creating. No, oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and final last question for you, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, where can my audience uh, follow you on social media and your website? And when are you normally on uh, CBS Austin? Because obviously it's probably live stream where people can watch it from here as well now. Yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram at the Barbara Campos and um you can also find me on Facebook exact same Facebook Instagram TikTok at at the Barbara Campos and you can find me on Twitter Barbara Campos TV and um usually I'm I'm on live uh, at five and ten that's that's the usual times Okay, well, definitely. Well, Barbara, uh, an hour fly, an hour flies by when you're having fun. But I want to say thank you so much for coming on my 263rd episode, just over three years today, and really enjoyed getting to know you and uh, talk to you about your career and that in in Texas. And uh, I'll definitely let you know when I do ever come out and visit. And uh, it'd be nice to say hi to you as well. Absolutely. Please keep me posted and. To everybody else hearing this or watching this, please come visit Texas. You won't you won't regret that. You'll have a lot of fun down here. Before I let you go, Cowboys or Texans, if you had a choice. Cowboys. It's a football team. Cowboys. Cowboys all the way. Okay. I'm an Eagles fan, so don't boo me. <laughs> Okay, well, Barbara, I'm going to let you go. But if you can give me about 20 minutes or so, I'll have our episode downloaded to all my audio platforms. And when it does air on WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, I will let you know. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Barbara. Have a great night, and we'll keep in touch with you on social media. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye, Barbara. Thank you. All right, guys, uh, before we wrap this up, I'm just going to show you guys a little clip of uh, Barbara's wor uh, work uh, from her uh, YouTube chan channel, Barbara Campos. Please subscribe to her channel. Just bear with us, guys. Technology sometimes. Barriers okay. and biases. The work continues to create an inclusive workforce in science, technology, engineering, and math. Right now, women make up only 28% of the workforce in STEM fields, with that number for Latinas not even reaching half of that. CBS Austin's Barbara Campos tells us what's being done to close that gap. As Latinas lack presence in these fields, the conversations are elevating in hopes of creating a tipping point to make this group more visible. 
Georgia Hernandez graduated from the Ann Richards School for Young Women's Leaders back in 2015. The all-girls campus aims to spark some interest in STEM fields. So you have young minds curious about, is that something I want to do when I grow up? and raising their hands, asking questions. But to venture into these industries, first they have to be aware of the possibilities. Just that, you know, you don't just have to be a doctor or a lawyer if you go to college, um, that there's all these different fields. Meanwhile, nonprofit Latinitas also hopes to break any cultural and gender barriers as they create a greater pool of STEM talent. It has to do a lot with our culture, um, us not knowing a lot about the STEM careers, that we can get into. Right now, Latinas make up 3% of this workforce, but there's a shift. The conversation is definitely there, and so I think that is changing kind of the whole tone and the vibe of the culture behind STEM-related um, fields. More than half of students at Ann Richards are pursuing a career in STEM, and most of them are like Georgia, the first in their family to go to college. We are setting those building blocks, the path for the generations that come after us. We're a part of building that future. Barbara Campos, CBS Austin News. That clip was courtesy of Barbara Campos' uh, YouTube channel. Again, I want to say again, thank you to Barbara Campos, uh, bilingual reporter with CBS Austin and Telemundo Austin for coming on uh, this afternoon as well. Guys, I don't have any podcast shows booked for next week, so stay tuned to my social media pages as well. But right now, the next one that's scheduled is uh, Tuesday, April 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern with Mike Hogan, the communications manager and play-by-play -play, uh, radio announcer for the CFL's Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts. Mike's going to come on and talk about the 2022 Grey Cup Argonauts season and also uh, what's in store for this 20 Argonauts team trying to repeat. Argonauts are celebrating their 150th year in the uh, Canadian Football League. Well, the CFL started in 1958, but the Toronto Argonauts are North America's oldest professional football franchise, and it's their 150th uh, year this year. And I would highly recommend going down to a game at BMO Field on the CNE grounds, and it's right by the Gold Train Station as well. So look forward to that show. If I have a podcast show before April 25th, guys, I will announce it on my social media uh, pages as well. Guys, we have NBA. LC Canada action tonight. The Windsor Express are 10 11 overall. They're home to the first place Sudbury 5, who are 17 and 5. The game is currently right now on MBLC TV. Should be wrapping up shortly. Commanders have been sold, have been reportedly sold to Josh Harris and, uh, and Magic Johnson for $6 billion. So stay tuned for more details of that. And also, guys, the Detroit Tigers 2-9 are in Toronto tonight to take on the Blue Jays. Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers. Chris Bassett, the former Matt for the Blue Jays. The Jays are 9-4 looking for a sweep. The Tigers are 2-9 and nine and have lost six in a row. And uh, hopefully the Tigers can get a win out of the Rogers Center tonight as well. And also, guys, the Detroit Red Wings for the seventh straight year have missed NHL playoffs. They are going to finish the season at Tampa. The Bay. The Red Wings are currently 35-36 and uh, hopefully the Red Wings will get into the playoffs next year. The Red Wings have improved this year uh, with 80 points and uh, hopefully next year they can get an extra 10 points and get about 90 to get into a playoff spot. So the Tampa Bay Lightning will be taking on the Maple Leafs in the first round as well, guys.
again, uh, thank you to Barbara Campbells for coming on uh, live with CDP tonight as well. And always, guys, live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment talk show hosted by yours truly, Chris Pame, is now available and now on weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key the home of Southern sports and talk and the heartbeat of Atlanta. And it's on every night from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, during the weeknights. And I want to say thank you to Ryan O'Neill, their station manager, for having me on their on their radio station as well. You guys can check out the radio station again at wqeefm.radio12345.com as well. And again, guys, you can check out um, Barbara's website at cbsaustin.com. And you can also check out her on Twitter at Barbara Campbell's TV as well. As always, guys, Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. Thank you to everyone watching tonight on these live stream platforms as well. And also, guys, you can follow me on beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme. All my digital content, previous podcast shows are on there as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or email them at info at barrycullen.com. And again, it is truck month at Barry Cullen Chevrolet, the 2023, Chevrolet, the 2023 Silverado Pickup Truck 1500. 3.49% financing for up to 72 months. And anyone that's an eligible Costco member can receive up to $750 gift card on, on selected trucks as well. And I do love my Chevy Trailblazer. I bought there in January from them as well, guys. You can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. I post a lot of video content on there as well. So again, check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP. Finally, StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talks. If you're into webinars or podcasting, I highly recommend StreamYard as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is produced by yours truly, CDP Media Productions here in Ontario 2023 as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk podcast is available on audio platforms such as iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitcher and tuned in and again weeknights at eight o'clock on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key in Metro Atlanta as well, guys. And also, guys, you guys can also email the show live with CDP Sports Talk at cpame19 at gmail.com, or you can text me at the show's number 519-820-7188 as well. And you guys can also follow me on LinkedIn on Facebook, on Twitter, and also, guys, please subscribe and like my YouTube channel as well. And that's about it, guys. Again, I want to say thank you to my guest, Barbara Campbells, for coming on Season 5, Episode 43 tonight, my 263rd episode overall. And uh, 
as soon as I know if I can get some guests lined up for next week, I will let you guys know on my social media pages as well. And uh, the OHL playoffs start tonight too, guys. You got game one tonight, the Kitchener Rangers at the London Knights. And then you've got Friday night, I believe, uh, the Saginaw Spirit taking on the Sarnia Sting in the East. So um, you've got those two series going on. And then in the West or in the East, you got the uh, Ottawa uh, still playing and Peterborough still playing and North Bay, and I can't remember the other team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the OHL playoffs, if you can't make it to an OHL playoff game right now, guys, you can get their games on Rogers TV or CHL TV as well. And the guys do a great job on the broadcast as well. And uh, that's about it. Again, uh, thank you to Barbara Campbell for coming on. And I want to say thank you to everybody uh, for watching this live so my audio platforms and i hope everybody had a great easter weekend as well and you guys enjoy the beautiful weather out there and uh, we will talk to you guys soon on my social media pages and uh, looking forward to doing some more podcast shows in the next uh, week or two as well have a great night everybody and thank you for watching and listening to live with cdp sports talk brought to you by barry cullen chevrolet and again weeknights on wqee 99.1 fm in metro atlanta uh, from 8 p.m to 9 p.m good night everybody and we'll talk to you guys soon for another edition of live with cdp sports talk Thank you.